Everybody on fantasy Twitter seems to be nothing more than a bunch of fucking copycats. And I still hate the sound of my voice. Welcome to the doghouse. everybody if you've been listening to episode two you know that we're in the midst of a double banger today because uh, i had auto audio problems this weekend um, which for some reason i had complete reverberation everywhere uh, with not only my microphone my computer was going off um shutting down um I have a hanging microphone. The stand kept falling. Uh, just about everything decided just wanted to take a shit on me at the same time, which is fine. Just reset for the next day. Um, and, and then you do what I'm doing today, which put out episode two earlier. Um, and now we're into episode three, which will deal with a little bit more strategy session and a little bit more talking about the industry. Uh, man, I'm really hating popping on Twitter lately, uh, especially with best ball draft season. Now, you know, you got actual draft season coming in uh, to the mix now that teams have uh, entered camp uh, for the rookies at the very least. Uh, end of the week, we should have everybody getting into camp, getting their pads, getting acclimated to where they're at. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about an issue that's near and dear to my heart, and that's, um, everybody seeming to want to post their best ball drafts and have literally no context behind it whatsoever on what they're doing, how the draft were, you know, operated, uh, some folks will post their draft and then, you know, have their link at least to either another podcast or a radio show or an article. And that's all well and good. I get, I can get that. I can get behind that. But it's, it's the people that just like have some kind of vanity complex where they just sit there and they're like, Hey, come look at me. Look what I did. Look what I did. How do you like my draft? How do you like my draft? If, if you're posting that shit on social media, even to, say, your provider, um, to me, you know, somebody that you trust, what that's saying is that you are uncomfortable with how you're drafting. You're unsure that you're selecting the right players. 
you're unsure of yourself. And I think it's fine if you're actually, you know, subscribed to a service and you want somebody to take a look over, you know, what you've done. Um, done it for the last three years. Uh, other subscribers um, who've bought into the program that I've been trying to build with either... DFS or seasonal football. I mean, you you want that. You want you want to find out. You know what went right, what went wrong. But on Twitter, how do you how are you really going to correct anything on there, right? So you ask some of these quote unquote experts, analysts. As I like to just refer everybody to. Um, and they give you, no, I just don't like this. I don't like that. I like what you did here. But that's it. They don't get into the meat and potatoes of it. And maybe they do it behind their paywall. Through a chat. Um, I have three or four folks that will draft. And then they'll hand me a lineup. And be like, you know, how, how, do I, how did I do? And we talk about that, and we go through it, and talk about where they're weak, what they're going to want to look at, um, how to attack it with waivers during the season, which is the real important parts of it. You can't get that when you just want to yay or nay, how did my draft go? And when, and when experts and somebody and these guys do this, with their own dress. I sit there and I wonder how ex how exactly are you getting subscribers to buy in on your fucking program when apparently you can't even buy in on your own fucking program. Why do people feel the need and this is from the analysts and experts point why do you feel the need that you have to ha have other people in the industry tell you whether or not they like your draft or not? Who gives a fuck? Everybody's different. Everybody attacks drafts different ways. There's similarities in some aspects. But what is anybody really gaining from you just posting your fucking lineup? And what happens is you get the experts who do this. And then you get people who want to try and break into the industry doing it as well. They're following what they see. They think this is the way that you have to do it. They're not being different they're being the same and it just keeps churning over and over again and you see the same takes over and over again nobody dares to be different anymore 
everybody wants to try and copy one another. And what it really builds is just a bland, blah um, type of industry. We don't do that here. If you do a best ball draft right now, which you should be doing um, to prep for the season, mock draft, something like that, um, you can always bring the lineup to me. But always be prepared for the questions back. You know, why did you feel uh, you had to take Patrick Mahomes in the fourth round? What were you trying to gain? Um, were you trying something out? You know, it's going to be that type of thing. You're never going to see my fucking lineups out on social media. You're never going to see it in any chat. The only place that you'll ever see or hear is right here on this podcast. I have plans on doing a best ball draft and recording as we go. Um, just to kind of get a general idea of where we're at. That'll be after the draft guide comes out. Um, and I have my rankings there. But it's really, like I said, unless you're putting it on some kind of a format, you're doing an article, podcast, something like that, that's the only place this shit belongs. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's bothersome. I, I see the same shit, like I said, coming out of people we're trying to break into the industry and you know as well as everybody going well aren't you trying to break into the industry yeah nah don't really care if I was trying to get an actual you know job with a provider tout service something like that I'd apply for it um, I've done none of that whether or not somebody comes by and goes hey yeah I like what you're doing here like what you're doing here, you know. I've let, I've I've let different sites take a look at what I'm doing. You know, with the the depth charts that have gone out, uh, the DVOA, uh, DVP charts, um, and even the DFS charts that I put out uh, last year. And what I'm looking forward to this season, where I'm expanding and everything. It's all, if you're not trying to do something new, you're being lazy. You should always expand upon the work that you've been doing. Which has always been my goal every single year. Um, year one, we had uh, the Daily Armory. Uh, that was with... Myself, Steve Renner, Rob Garriak, and Steven Marcella, uh, also known as Fantasy Bum, um, in which I took over it, you know, a little over halfway through the season so the other guys could focus on NHL, NBA, other things for 
um, the subscribers when everybody was in the actual threads on the scout site um, built upon that the next year uh, which was a little um, bit of a pain in the ass because everything that I was writing was going was done through an iPhone as I had no access to my computer um, which I had lost in my you know, you know, part of the divorce, you know, you, you split up half the stuff and my ex-wife actually got the computer, which I didn't think was a big deal at the time until I actually started doing this. Um, before year three, I had decided that I was going to start attending NFL drafts, not that I needed to, um, but that I wanted to keep myself uh, fully immersed in what I was trying to bring. Added depth charts. A uh, little bit more in the seasonal running. Versus DFS. And then. Um, we got into the DFS spreadsheet. Which kind of puts all. You know a lot of information right in front of your face. Um, kind of expands upon what the write up is. So that. You can take the spreadsheet and you can look at it while you're doing the write-up and deciding on your own whether or not you thought I was right or wrong. Um, I believe in showing my work, which a lot of people don't want to do. Um, and you will see that a lot on Twitter, uh, Facebook, if you're doing that. Um where people have the same ideas, but is that because they found that that is a good decision to use, you know, a player? Or is it the fact that they just heard it on Twitter, so now they wait a day or two, and then they say, oh, you know, you need to use this player, blah, 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 and cash, blah, blah, blah. That's that's where you start building. Um, that's how That's how you take care of your cash lineups. If you're using social media, radio as a tool, you're picking up on the names that are the most commonly used. Um, and you determine if they are a really good use of your money. Um, if it's wise to go with the herd or uh, veer off and use a different player uh, in any position possible. Um, and that's what I kind of do with building that spreadsheet and then using radio, even if I don't like the shows, I'll still listen just to, so I can kind of pick up on where everybody else is going, um, as I don't subscribe to any tout service, uh, don't use anybody else's rankings because I don't feel I need to pay for it if I know I can find it on my own. But then again, that's why 
you know, I don't feel the need to charge anybody money for this because it is a building project. We're in year four, so we'll build a little bit more upon the spreadsheet and, and such um, because I feel that if I'm going to be successful doing this, I'll be able to pay my own way by using my play. And if I can help people out into winning money and becoming good at playing this game, then I'm going to bring you along as well. So... kind of my spiel on stuff. I wasn't going to get into that second part, but you know what? Fuck it. Sometimes you just keep rolling and you keep talking. And that's how you build a podcast, my friends. That's how you build it, is by talking. Um, so yeah, let's move on a little bit in the strategy sessions. Let's call this the Ten Commandments of the Doghouse. Um, and we'll start with Commandment 1, which is uh, knowing your league. Uh, what type of league is it? Is it standard, which is no longer standard? Uh, Half-point PPR, PPR, which is the new standard. Um, what positions do you all entail? Do you have defenses, uh, kickers, IDP? Um, is it a super flex league? Uh, Two-quarterback league? Um, multiple flex league? from like one flex to five depending upon the size of your league flex is usually your uh, running back wide receiver tight ends uh, super flex if you're not familiar with it uh, it's where you have the running back wide receiver tight end option plus you add in a quarterback option generally in a super flex uh versus a two-quarterback league. Like, two-quarterback league, I'll actually will draft three. Uh, so I have a backup at least until I get through my two top quarterbacks by weeks. The super flex, I'll generally only draft two. Um, it's not a popular uh, thought process on it. Uh, the reason why I only do two is generally because I can fill my team uh, with competent running back, wide receiver, something like that, while everybody else is scrambling to get that third quarterback who is usually won't bring you any more points than, say, uh, running back that you're taking, like, like say, Peyton Barber, uh, Ronald Jones, somebody like that, you know, where you're getting like in the later eight, nine rounds. Um, I've found that it's easier to make the playoffs and have a chance for a title by just doing the two quarterbacks and filling up the other necessities. Because uh, you usually have like the two running back three wide receiver 
um, and I can rotate that and only and know that only two weeks out of the year I'm going to lose one quarterback spot um, during the course of that season. So I try not to focus too much on filling up my quarterback spot, and then I, I have a dead spot in my lineup. I want to be able to utilize as much player possibility at the other spots versus quarterbacks. That's why it was like three out of four years I had a 16-team super flex, and actually the fourth year it expanded to 18. That's why I feel... I had won that league was because of that strategy. Um, and I implore you to try it if you haven't um, in mock drafts versus uh, doing best balls. Um, so, yeah, it's. You also have to pay attention to if you've got keepers. Um, if you're in a keeper league when you have to have the keepers in by. I have a bunch of... I, I don't play in any keeper leagues, but I have a bunch of buddies that have played in keeper leagues. And... who you keep really depends not only on their value, but... when you have to have your keepers in affects some of your keeper decisions. Like, for instance, if you have to have it in, say, now, a month before you're going to draft, well, then you can, you know, just fluctuate through your value. You have no idea where you're drafting um, most of the time. Um but if you do know where you're drafting, well, that it's a whole kind of new animal. Are you at the beginning of the first round or are you at the end of the first round? Um, sometimes plays a part in whether or not you're going to keep uh, a first-round pick uh, or even a second round that has value as a first-round pick versus maybe some guy that you picked up in the fifth round, fifth or sixth round. Um, and that and that has an effect too. Um, even more so when you get closer to your draft. The closer you get to your draft, the more the values sometimes fluctuate on those mid round, mid to late round picks. Um, unless you got a really good guy that, you, like, say, I heard yesterday, Nick Chubb in the tenth round. Well, yeah, you're gonna keep you're gonna keep Nick Chubb. Um, Dynasty leagues, most of them, I believe, have drafted by now. If not, it's mostly a startup league. So we shouldn't be talking anything really in Dynasty outside of, say, possible transactions. At this point, but um, Dynasty is really Dynasty is a tricky animal because you want to get the hot new rookies 
but a lot of people overvalue the rookies and they trade a lot of their player stock out of their team trying to rebuild and grab as many rookie picks as possible. Your dynasty league should be built to have a possibility of winning every year. Now, if you take an orphaned uh, dynasty team and you have to kind of restock, retool, that's one thing. Um, you're you're looking one to two years down the road at the very best on most of those. Um, but I guess my advice would just be if you're involved in Dynasty Drafts as of right now, always look to win this year. Don't look down the road. Um, because anything can happen. You know, your hot prospect uh, can tear his ACL in the preseason, like we saw with Darius Geis. And now how much value does he have this year? Well, he's going six. Now kind of dipping back down in the seventh round, which he's starting to kind of gain a little bit more value. But like in Geis' case, he, he always had to deal with Chris Thompson, but he's got to deal with Adrian Peterson in there, uh, who was signed before the season, not after um, the actual injury when it occurred last August. So, now he's kind of in an influx. Are you going to get any value out of him this year? Or is it going to be another wait and see for next year? All from a guy that you were high on last year. You may be waiting two years before you ever see a recoup on the investment that you spent on him after drafting him probably two after Saquon Barkley. All right, commandment number two would be practice, practice, practice. Best balls are up and going. Mock drafts are starting up. Um, you don't have to spend a lot to get into best ball drafts. You can get, use the draft app and get into a best ball draft. Put a little bit of money in there. They tend to be... Um, a little bit more sound. You don't get that guy kind of jacking around in the draft, drafting bullshit early in your drafts. Generally, it's people trying to win whatever little coin you put in there. So you can put a dollar in there. They got $3, $5, $10 drafts. Um, you don't have to spend that much. But I would recommend... If you do mock drafts and best balls, I'd recommend doing at least one best ball a week, if not two, or do one mock draft, one best ball a week, just to kind of see the difference, get used to your draft site that you're on, um... 
or do two mock drafts a week at the very bare minimum. And you want to do that until you get up to your actual draft date. Why? Practice. See where players are going. It's not so much about what team you're building. It's about what team you're building around what other people are building, where players are going. Are certain players noticeably going higher than what the ADP is telling us? You know, um, are guys getting taken lower? Is there a new guy in town that maybe you missed? You know, that's been getting talked about on the radio, podcast, whatnot. That's what you're doing it for. You're keeping an eye on what's going on in the fantasy world. You're keeping an eye on what's becoming valuable and invaluable in fantasy football. Practice makes perfect. Practice means comfortability. Did I stutter on that word? Yes, I did, because apparently I can't fucking say comfortability. It brings comfort. It makes you more comfortable in a regular draft where you can sit at any draft table, whether it's online, whether it's live with your friends, getting together for a big party. You become comfortable. Nothing bothers you. Somebody gets taken in front of you that you wanted, you know how to react. You know how to change your tempo of your draft, change your speed, change your thought, your outlook. That is how you start a winning trend. Practice, practice, practice. And just like that, we've gotten through another podcast. Because we practice, practice, practice. That's what we do. That's how we get used to this fucking stupid voice of mine in my ears reverberating back <laughs> oh, such a fun tool I like doing this and I'm glad that you came by glad you checked it out um, oh we almost missed out we do have the irrelevant poll of the podcast results and now I gotta find these. And I do have a new one for us. Um, let's talk about this real quick. Where the shit is it? There it is. Okay. Is it truly Summer of White Claw 2019? 22% of us said yes. 20, 33% said no. Which I was really hoping for. But the winner, by unanimous decision... 45% what the fuck is White Claw I'll have a video posted this weekend I'll show you exactly what the fuck White Claw is 
and how it's a danger um, to society and your health. Um, this week's irrelevant poll of the podcast. How do you handle shitty drivers on the road after they've committed an act of vehicular terrorism on you? Do you scream and shout? Do you wag the finger? Or do you pout to yourself? That is going to be this week's pod. Uh, Pull the pod. I am your boy, D-Roy. Find me on Twitter at RoyDog underscore 13. R-O-Y-D-A-W-G underscore 1-3. And with that, we are out of here. Three people in it. I could put a fucking cooler in there. It holds up to 650 pounds. So I could put my... It, it, it's, it's fucking dog proof. Dog proof. I could take my dog out onto the fucking lake. But I but trust me, I'm not taking it out on some shitty ass fucking Lake Michigan. Where I'm going to get pulled under. I'm going to take it on a nice lake out in the county. Because there's tons of them. There's nice lakes. And I'm going to get drunk as shit in my boat and god damn it if I I'm not going to drink White Claw on this I'm not I know that it should be okay to bring White Claw because if I'm wearing a fucking captain's hat it's perfectly fine I'm not going to fucking apologize for it. If you don't like it, 
and kiss my fucking hairy ass.